And I want you to open up your Bibles as we continue going through uh, the letter written by John. It's 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 3 and 6 up to verse 6 as we're going to continue. Now I want to remind you, as you remember, that in the first chapter, John is, John is contrasting light against... Come on church, light against... Darkness. Light against darkness. He says, God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. And then, you know, right through the Bible, you go into the Old Testament, it talks about light and darkness. And we know that light is the absence of darkness. Is that right? No. Darkness is the absence of light. So where there is no light, there is darkness. And this is how we were born. We were born with a darkened soul, a darkened heart. And we need the light to come and shine into our lives. And this is the theme. This is what John talks all about. It's light and darkness. And he says to us, he says that in 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, he says we need to walk in the light. And that's going to become part of the theme today. So as you open up your Bibles in 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 3 to 6. You know we're going slow through John. You remember I said there's some preachers who say if you want to quickly preach a series, use 1 John. You can't. The whole Bible is so deep. And sometimes we go deeper. And I love it when we go deeper. 1 John chapter 2 verse 3. It says, now by this we know. Everybody say no. no. That we know. Everybody say no. no. Now we know that we know Him. If we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him, and a lot of people say that, isn't it? I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Amen. What a wonderful scripture verses. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Father, I come to you this morning, Father, in human weakness as we come to the superiority of scripture. And Father, even if I say nothing now. I put the mic down, I get in my car and I go home. I thank you that your word has been read in public. And your word says for himself that it will not go out and return void, but it will accomplish everything that it is purposed for. And in this morning I pray, Lord, speak to my heart as you speak also to my hearers' ears and their hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a very powerful scripture. I mean, you can go right through the Bible. I love all the verses in the Bible. But now we come to the real things. You remember in chapter 1, he was addressing a lot of sin. Sin that's going on. He was addressing fellowship. We want to have fellowship with the Father. If we have fellowship with the Father, we have fellowship with one another. And this is, is critical in his writing. You also remember that there's Gnostics coming in and they try to delude the gospel. And we're going to see a little bit of that today. But today I want to talk to you about these last words that he used here. Walk just as he walked. I want to talk to you about walking the talk. Walking the talk. 
You get a lot of people who can quickly talk, 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 talk. Chatter, 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 chatter. But when it comes to the real thing, when it comes to doing what you say you're going to do, that's when they go missing. The army call it a wall. You don't see them anymore. Absence without leave. And this is what it's all about. We come to church, we sing hallelujah, we praise the Lord, we walk out of here, we go and sit down and we talk all of the nice things in church. But where the tire hits the road, when it hits that tire, when you go to your work, when you go to your family members who you may or may not have a quarrel with, your relationship with them may or may not be good. It is how you react there. Are you walking the talk? Are you a Christian in your workplace? This is what it's really coming down to. I know we've had two really hard messages the last two weeks, but let me tell you, there's no message coming from this pulpit that's a soft message. It's not going to happen because I believe 100% hard and tough preaching makes hard and tough Christians. Weak and soft preaching makes soft Christians. And when the trouble comes, soft Christians run away. When trouble comes, soft Christians say, oh, I don't know, I'm going to lose my faith. And you ask them, how was that faith built? If you built your faith on the rock, Jesus Christ, that faith will stand. Amen. Come on, let's keep the Lord hands in this place. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not preaching to you anything else but that rock and foundation, Jesus Christ. Not a church, not a pastor, not a prophet, not any other man that you call, but Jesus Christ and Him alone. So we need to walk the talk. We need to say, and then we need to do. And when you go back into chapter 1 of this beautiful letter, it's not a soft letter. When you go back there, you will find every time he say, four times he says, if you say this and you do something else, you're a liar. He calls you a liar. I wonder what will happen if I come to you and I call you a liar in your face. You're going to say, I don't like you anymore. I don't go to that church because he calls me a liar. Well, it's not me. It is the word who calls you a liar. Four times. Four times he says, this is what you say, but what are you doing? And let, let me just remind you that when you're going to stand before Christ one day, he's not going to say, well said, good and faithful servant. What's he going to say? Well done. It's the things you do. It's the things you do after the cross. You see, but in the first century, the Gnostics started to come into the church. They come in to try to dilute the message. And, and this is what the Gnostics say. They say, spiritual knowledge. Ooh, that sounds so important. Spiritual knowledge. The Greek word is gnosis. What you know. That's where we get that word from. Gnosis. Comes through personal experience. That's what they say. That's what the Gnostics say. May I just shock you? You turn on your, your YouTube this afternoon, you go and search for some churches, and this is what they preach from the pulpit. Personal experience. Oh, preacher, you can't tell me this is right or wrong because I've experienced it. Your experience means nothing against the Word of God. 
But the Gnostics say, hey, spiritual Gnostic uh, knowledge comes through personal experience. Or get this one, intuition. Did I say that right? Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> that means the sixth sense. In other words, you've got the sixth sense, I haven't got it, and you've got that spiritual knowledge. And that puts you a little bit higher than the person next to you. This is what churches like to do. They like you to walk in and go, Oh man, I'm a little bit more superior than you. I am, I am elder. I am the senior elder. I'm a little bit more superior. I'm the pastor, man. God only speaks to me. You know, this is what they say. I've got the six cents, but it's all Gnosticism. But you will be shocked that you find it in churches today. It's so quiet when I say that. I take that as a truth. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you because I've seen it for myself. I've heard it for myself. It is the six sins, and, and this is another one which they say, and revelation. You So spiritual knowledge comes through revelation. Uh, I've, I know in New Zealand there was a man who started coming to our church, and, and I watched him, I watched him, you know, and he came to me and I, I hear how he talk and I, I just felt in my spirit of discernment, something was a little bit off. But I allowed him because anybody is welcome to come to church. And he sat there and, and every Sunday he come to me and he challenged the word, which is fine. It's not my word, it's God's word. You can challenge it. And one day he came to me and he pulled me to a side and he says to me, I'm so angry at you. And I go, what is wrong? What is wrong? Why are you so angry at me? He says, because you can't, you can't understand the revelational knowledge. I go, no, no, I don't get it. What do you mean? He goes, you get the Bible and then you get the revelational knowledge more. You know, it goes outside of the boundaries of the scriptures. And I said to him, you know what? I'll be confound within the boundaries. You go to that level, I'll stay here. I don't know where he is today, but I'm still here. And I'm still preaching the gospel. But you see, this is what the Gnostics say. They come out and they say, spiritual knowledge comes from personal experience. You, you know, some churches, they hide people so much up with their music. And then they bring them to the front and they say, close your eyes. And can you feel that thing coming up in you? Can, can you feel those words coming over your mouth? It's all about experience. Brothers and sisters, I want to say to you in this church, I'm going to stay to the word of God. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Now, now listen. Now, now, this is what they say. They say we get this from these things rather through the, than through the Holy Scriptures and through doctrine. I want to say to you, if you're young here, if you're old, doesn't matter. Stick to the Word of God, will you? John says, no. No, it's not so. It doesn't work like that. He, he says, it's not. You can find God in the scriptures, and that's where you will find him. Now, the question is, how do you know that you know him? How do you know that you know him? And he answers this question for us today. If somebody comes to you and they say to you, listen, you say you're a Christian, but tell me, how do you know that you know him? And, and this is what it comes down to, by examining if your lifestyle is in obedience to his commandments. That's when you will know if you know him. By examining your lifestyle. I'm not saying by a decision you've made. 
Because again, brothers and sisters, you get all of these outreaches and, and they say, come to the front and you say a two-minute prayer and then somebody stands up and say, I declare now that you are born again. Who can say that but God? Only God can say that. And then those same people, those same young people who came out being influenced by their friends to go to the front. Oh, they've said a prayer. Now I'm going to heaven. But they continue with their sinful lifestyles. Their lifestyles will tell me that they do not know God. You can tell me what I, Again, I'm coming back to walking the talk. You say that you went out. You say that the pastor said you are saved. You say all the things that the pastor said, but your lifestyle is not telling anything that you know God. This is where you will meet that. This is where the tire reads the road. If you walk away from the cross and you're a changed person, listen, the Bible says he made you a new creation. Hallelujah. Who's glad that he's a new creation this morning? Are you glad? Only a few. Come on, show me who's glad. I'm a new creation. Now, now, now listen to me. A new creation doesn't go back to its old vomit. Even a dog doesn't go back there. You say you're preaching really hard in the, in the church. Yes, that's good. You, am I offending you? I hope so. So that you can come to the realization that your lifestyle is the one thing that God is looking at. Not the words that you speak. And this is what Paul, uh, John comes over now and he says, ah, ah. Uh-uh, stop, stop here. It doesn't, it's not going to work like that. You need to show in your life that you are saved by God. You see, we need to walk the talk. We need to walk in the light. That's how you're going to walk the talk. You need to walk in the light. Thank you. Look at this. This is a caring youth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Aiden. Is my voice going? So we look at this now. We need to walk this. Now, I just want to come back to the key verse for chapter 2. In John chapter 2 verse 1, he says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. You remember that? This is why he wrote chapter 2. Now, if you go back to chapter 1, that's what you need to go and see. And you see, it's God's desire that you do not sin. But some people say, oh, wait a minute, preacher. Last week you preached about the advocate. Who remember the advocate? Who's glad that we've got an advocate? Who knows that he's the preparation for our sins? It says about that advocate that it is Jesus Christ the righteous. You remember? It's not just any other man. It's him. He is your advocate. But then there is some people who say, whoa, that gives us a right to sin. Not so. I want you to understand the weight of sin. The word there for sin comes from the Greek word harmartano. Harmartano. That's really interesting. Because if you open up in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, he says, You were once dead in your trespasses and sins. There he uses the word harmatia. Well, it's the same. It means the same. It means to miss the mark. Now, I'm not a darts player, but I know there's some people in the church who plays darts. But to give you an example, if you've got the bull on the darts board and you've got the cherry, is that what you call it? Is that what you call it? That little red one. It's red, isn't it? The smallest little dot in the middle of the board. If you stand there, Eddie, with a, with a hundred darts and you can hit that bull every single time, every single time, a hundred times, 
Is it possible? No, no. If you miss that little bull's eye, you are missing the mark. And this is what that word means. But here we don't talk about darts. We're talking about the law of God. We're talking about what my brother said over the table. You see, if you miss any one of those laws, you are missing the mark. And we've already seen through the Bible that no man in the history of mankind has met that except Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So it means to wander from the path of uprightness and honor. It means to wander away from God's law. But now some people come and they say, hey, we've got a license to sin because the advocate is just going to step up. And he's going to forgive us our sins. No. Sin is so important for John that in the letter he writes 15 times about sin in this letter. From chapter 1 to the last chapter. 15 times. If you go into an accordance and you go and search all the words sin in all the letters that was written by Peter and everybody, John is the one who uses the word sin the most. Do you think sin is important? Absolutely. There's no right for that. You know, I grew up in a church uh, in my childhood. It's, it's, I believe it's a false church. My family get mad at me, but so what? You know, I'm following Christ. But you know what they do every Sunday? They come into the church, they preach a short sermon, and then the priest will stand up and he's, he will lift both his hands and he will say, your sins are you forgiven. That's so wonderful, Brother Aaron. Hey, every Sunday. And you know what I saw? I saw the same people in that church during the week as a young boy go out and they go back to the same lives they live in sin. And then Sunday they turn up and they come to church and the preacher preaches a few words and then he puts up his hands and he says, your sins are you forgiven. And hey man, it's a clean slate again. And off they go, Lara, next into the next week, isn't it? And you know what they do? David, they go straight back to their own things. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's no, no forgiveness for sin at all. No man can forgive you your sin, by the way. It's only God who can do that. But here it is important to do that. Even Paul was clear on this. Look at Paul in, in Romans chapter 6 verse 1. He says, what shall we then say? I love it when Paul writes this. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hey, shall we continue and the grace gets better? He says, certainly not. And he is so strong about it that he puts an exclamation mark after it. Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer? How shall we do that? John is saying, victory over sin is to walk in the light. How do we get victory over sin? You sit here this morning and say, how do I know that I know him? How can I get victory over sin, preacher? You know, I say these things in church and then Paul says the things I don't want to do, I do them. Is that happening with you? It certainly happens to me. Sometimes I say, Lord, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know, that cake in the fridge. I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I dummy down to this. There's black forest cake in the fridge and you know what? The moment it sits there in the fridge and I'm sitting there, my, my office, my, my office at home, the door runs straight into the kitchen. I love that man, Susan. I love it. Straight into the kitchen. And the fridge is, is literally, literally, I think six, it, you count it, six meters away from the fridge. 
And then there's that cake in that fridge, man. And I put it in there and I say, one slice a day. Oh, man, but when I sit down and I'm concentrating and it goes in my mind, knock, 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 knock. No, no, go away. Knock, knock, knock. I'm waiting for you to come and eat me. <laughs> Is it only me? <laughs> it's only me, thank you. <laughs> Oh, this church is all good. <laughs> Who are you? Black Forest Cake. My address is French. And you know what happens? I stand up and I find myself going there and I slice off a small one and I go, only one, only one is good. I go sit down and I hump that thing down and then I continue work for five or ten minutes and it's again. Knock, 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 knock. Not you again. No, this is Black Forest's brother. <laughs> and he calls me. And before long, I find myself that I feel so sick. I feel uncomfortable. I feel, ah, oh, I can't put in. You know what happens with me sometimes? I go, it's sweet. It's sweet, you know? It's sweet. And when I get to a point, I go, no, I need to break that sweetness. And, and you know, there's another knock. I need to do this. Knock, 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 knock. Yeah. I'm the packet of chips in the pantry. <laughs> just to break the sweet. And then you eat some chips. And, you f and let me just tell you, brothers and sisters, I know it's funny. I don't want to make a joke about sin, but sin is the same. Sin is the same. You know, it brings you to that edge. And you say, man, I'm just curious. Because it's a temptation. Let me tell you, temptation is not sin. Doing sin is the sin. Temptation calls you. It's that knock. That's the temptation. And you come to the edge of the cliff and you say, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to look. I'm not going to do anything, mom. I'm just going to go to that place. I'm just going to look. I'm not going to partake in it, mom. I want to go to the nightclub, mom, just to see how people, I'm not going to do that. And you come so close to the edge and you look and you look and you further. I want to see further and further before you fall right into that. And you make a decision to go. That's what sin do. And you know what happens, brothers and sisters? Once you've done the sin, you feel like you feel after you've eaten that whole black forest cake. You feel rubbish. You feel guilty. You feel dirty. And you go, how could I have done it? What's wrong with me? Amen? Am I talking to myself here? And this is what sin is. And now, now, how do I get victory over it? You know, we come to churches. You come into this church and we preach, stop sinning, stop sinning. But, but I've seldom heard a preacher come to you and say, this is how you're going to stop sinning. Not just by praying and ask God to forgive you. Because He will. Because in that verse, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, He says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you our sins. And, everybody say and. And to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. He will clean you from your unrighteousness, your lifestyle. But you need to come to Him. And here John gives us the answer. He says, how are you going to get victory over your, uh, uh, over your sin? Victory over sin comes by walking in the light. If you're going to continue walking in the light, the sin will become so evident that you do not want to go there any longer. You know what I do now? I don't buy black forest cake anymore. 
I don't put the temptation there anymore. I get rid of the temptation. And this is what he says. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, he says it for us. He says, but if we walk in the light, everybody say light. As he is in the light. If we're going to walk in the light, guess who we're going to meet in the light? Jesus. That's who you're going to meet in the light. And you're going to meet him in the light. And while you walk in the light, while he's in the light, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start knowing him better. Yes? You're going to start knowing him better. He says, if we do this, we have fellowship with one another. And get this now. For the blood of Jesus Christ. Everybody say blood. blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is so wonderful. You see, Paul is clear about this. He's so clear about it. So what does it mean then to walk in the light? Well, thank you for asking. I'm going to tell you now. He says it here in uh, the first uh, point of walking in the light. It means to be open and sincere. That's the first thing. You say to me, I want to walk in the light. So how do I do it now, preacher? Well, this is how you do it. You become open and sincere. If the light shines into darkness, what happens? It comes to light. It becomes open. If you keep yourself closed down like this, there is darkness here. If you're going to keep the light out of this darkness, then you will not walk in the light. I think that is so clear that I can preach this sermon to a Sunday school, yeah? You understand what I mean? I love it, you know, in the week, and by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, we are doing a grain of encouragement every week. I record them on a Monday and I email it out to you. I'm also going to put it on social media, but I'm going through the book of Philippians every week. And, uh, and when I came to this thing about open and sincerity, I was reminded in the study that we did in Philippians chapter 1 verse 10, listen to this, that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. You see, Paul says the same that John is saying. He says, if you want to get rid of sin in your life, walk in the light by being open and sincere. Now, I love this word sincere here. You know me with words. I love it. But this time, I'm not going to go to the Greek. I'm going to go to the Latin. I can't speak Latin, by the way. Because in Latin, this word sincere is made out of two words, sinicera. And that means without wax. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, what is Paul saying here? Paul says that you have approved the things which are excellent, that you may be without wax. What do you mean, Paul? Well, Paul was, he was living in the Roman times. And in Roman times, they made these marble sculptures. And the men who made these marble sculptures was working and, you know, one day they're a little bit tight and they, they're chipping off here and then he chips a little bit too hard and he goes, oh, you know, I made a mistake. Well, he can't just, you know, like Patty do the thing over. There's now, a, there's now a hole where there shouldn't be a hole in the sculpture. And what did they do in those times? They took wax and they waxed it so that people couldn't see the infirmities of the sculpture. But the problem is, once they rolled out these marble sculptures into the sun, because that's where it stands. What is the sun? The sun is light, isn't it? 
So, so they hear in the dark of the little office and they go tick, 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 tick. Oh, man, there's a hole there. No, no, wax it, wax it. And then they tick, tick over, oh, wax it. Now we're rolling it out into the light, into the sun. And what happens with wax when heat comes onto it? It melts away. It melts away. And this is what's happening here with sincerity. You know, we've got so many Christians in the church who's not sincere. They will stand in front of you and all you see is a waxed person. They wax all their infirmities and everything. But once the light of Christ come or once the light of circumstances come, it melts away. So if you want to get rid of sin, you need to do two things. You need to be, you need to be open and sincere. But that open and sincereness needs to be grounded in Jesus Christ. And this is what happened with these things. You see, we, we need to be sincere with God. And let me just say to you, brothers and sisters, when you pray to God, be honest to Him. Be honest to Him. I am. I find myself the last, I think, six months that I sometimes cry before Him. And I say, Lord, I just haven't got strength. Not strength to go on in life. That's not what I mean. You know, you, you know what I'm going through, and I don't want to, you to feel sorry for me, but sometimes I'm so in pain that the pain draws me to a point where I say, Lord, I just haven't got strength to fight this. And I'm just honest to him. And you know what? He hears me. And when he hears me, I know he answers my prayer. And soon, and very soon, I forget that thought. And then I forgot about the pain. And I go, well, where's that pain gone? Well, it's still there. But he helped me. Be, be honest to God. Whatever you do. Look, if you're struggling, if, if, you're, if you're in a depressive mood, the best one you can take this to is God. If you've got relationship problems, go to God. And if you were wrong, if you were wrong in one of those conversations, go fall on your knees and say, Lord, I, I'm wrong. Be honest to Him. Be open to Him. But also to yourself. Don't lie to yourself and then to others as well. So to get rid of sin is we need to be open and sincere. Walking in the light means to obey God's Word. Everybody say God's Word. God's Where do you find it? Some find it in their phones, but I find it still in a book. I love a book. You can still put down a ruler and underline some of them and write and scratch there. Isn't it right? Amen. So, so if you walk in the light, it means to obey God's word. You want to get rid of sin? Start walking and obeying God's word. He says that in verse 3. We read it. He says, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. You wouldn't like it if somebody walks up to you and says, hey man, what he just told me, you're a liar. Would you? Well, he says that. He says, if you do not keep the commandments, you are a liar. But he also says, you do not know him. I love Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. Isn't it beautiful? I love this verse. I once preached on it. Because if you break it down, you will see that the lamp is something for your immediate. He says, you're a lamp unto my feet. That is where I am in my house. I live in my house. The lamp of God is shining in my house. You don't normally take that lamp onto a road. Because it only lights in this area here. But then he calls a light to my path. A light is something that shows you 
a little bit forward. Isn't that neat? We need to obey God's word. We need to spend time in God's word. That's where we will discover his will for your life. That's where you will discover how he wants you to walk in the light if you go to the word of God. Now let's look deeper. As you know, I want to go a little bit deeper. He says, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, some people are saying that, you know, we need to, we need to obey his commandments and through that comes salvation. He's not saying you will know God by obeying his commandments. That's not what he's saying there. Some people teach that. Just obey the commandments and he will save. That's not what it says there. You see, they want to preach a gospel which is faith plus works. In other words, you do all of these things and you obey, you know, the Ten Commandments and all of these things and then you will be saved. No, no, that's not how it works. You will know Him. No, no, you need to go and look at the timeline. You see, when we read in verse 1, He says, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just. That happens right about here. Before that, all the works you did was dead works. Before the cross, every single nice thing that you do is dead works. You go to heaven, it's counting for nothing. You can be kind to people, you can give a beggar money, you can get them into your house, you can clean them up. It's all dead works. You come to the cross out of your confession, and then the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us. That happens at the cross. John is talking about this side of the cross. Are you with me now? You've already been saved. This is what we find what Paul writes in Ephesians 2 verse 8. When he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Listen to this now. For we are His workmanship, created by in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Good works. What is part of those good works? If we know Him and we obey His commandments. But it's after the cross. I want to be clear about this. I absolutely believe 100% by faith alone you were saved. 100%. There's no work that you can do that will please God. None. Not one. Your best works, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. So we need to understand that this year, the good works, he's talking, these commandments comes after the cross. You see, you will know that you know him when you see the obedience in your life. When you see that obedience by obeying the commandments in your life, you first know God, then the obedience will follow. This is what he's saying there. And then let's look a little bit deeper into that verse. As you know, I want to go into the commandments here. Because a lot of people now come and say, Ah, you see, now we need to go back under the law. And that's not what he's preaching here. The commandments here is not bringing us back under the law. We are under grace. That's what we are under. You say, what about the law? Has God now got rid of the law? I mean, Sean read the law over the table this morning. And I'm okay with that. Why? Because the law is not abolished. But Jesus Christ came and he fulfilled the law. By what? By giving us what? Grace. Now I'm under grace. Of course I'm not going to murder somebody now. Because I'm under grace. That's what Paul said. Certainly not. 
I'm not going to do that. But we need to understand, brothers and sisters, we can't come in now and bring people back under law. In the book of Galatians, Paul said to these people, he says, you started off in faith and now you go back under the law. I am not pulling you back under the law. John is not preaching you to come back under the law by these words, commandments here. No, no, what is he saying? I mean, we can read what Jesus said in Matthew 22 verse 36 um, when they ask him, what is the great commandment? He said to them, the great commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hangs what? The law and the prophets. You obey those two, you stay in Christ, and then you obey the whole law. Finish and klar. That's a South African term. It means done. We need to understand that. Otherwise, people can take the scripture verses out of context and they can bring you into thou shalt this, thou shalt that. And, and you know, we need to pray four o'clock in the morning because God only hears your prayers in four o'clock in the morning. Some people will believe that. That's not how it works. You see, Paul talks about this. Look at Paul when he talks about commandments. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good, necessary for edification, and may impart grace. This is a commandment that Paul gives us. Did you know that? You know, people only go back to the Old Testament when they talk about commandments. But Peter came out and he gave commandments. Go read these letters. He tells you and me how to live a Christian life, how to walk in the light. He gives commandments in all his letters. Paul, you're going to read all the letters, Ephesus, Philippians, uh, uh, Thessalonica. He writes to Timothy. He gives Timothy commandments. Jesus, when he walked upon the earth, he gave commandments out. So yes, there is so many commandments. The whole Bible is full of them. But it's not law. It is commandments that keeps us in the light. This is a good commandment, isn't it? Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth. Are you obeying that commandment? Are you? Or is there corrupt words coming out of your mouth? Gossiping. Foul talking. You are breaking a commandment. Then you are walking in darkness, not in the light. And look at this now. He says, for all your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, this is how we need to be. So there's just one commandment. Then finally this morning, walking in the light means to obey God's word. And obeying God's word, proof our love for him. This is what we get in verse 5. He says, but whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. There are three motives for obedience. Three. We can obey because we have to. And I know my children were like that when they were very young. You know, I say to them, you do that. You better do that. You're going to do that. Otherwise, bum smack. Then they do it. Have you been there or is it only me? <laughs> yes. You know, people do things because they have to do it. This is what a slave do. And then we do it because we need to. There are some people, you know, I'm working. I need to. Why? Because I need to look after my family. So you're going to do things that you need to do. And then you, get, you do things because you want to do things. And this is what Christians should be like. 
this is how we should be like. Now let's look at this now. If you look at this verse, whoever keeps his word is truly the love of God is perfected in him. There are also a notion that we keep uh, obeying God's word that his love in you will grow to perfection. Have you thought about that? You start walking in the light and you grow in the word, you study the word. Guess what is going to grow in your heart? His love. That's also what this verse means. How big is his love in your light? You see, he wants us to come to a point of perfection. And perfection means to draw the curtain and to bring a show to an end uh, at the end of a show. So finally, the third thing of walking in the light. Walking in the light means to walk as he walked. That's our verse. That's your verse. He says, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. I want to bring it close to another verse here. Look at 1 John chapter 4, 17. Love has been perfected amongst us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because, listen to this now, as he is, so are we in this world. I love that. Do you? As he is. Wow, this is a big statement. As Jesus Christ is, so are we in this world. What does that mean? Look at this. As he is, so are we. How in the world can we be like him? How do we walk like he walked? How do we become as he is? Well, let me give you a few pointers here. We need to walk in the light as he is in the light. 1 John 1 verse 7. That's how you do it. That's how we become like him. We walk in the light. Every single thing you do, every decision you make, you ask yourself, is this in darkness or is it in light? If it is in light, continue walking there. Study your Bible. He says, purify ourselves as he is pure. We need to purify ourselves. Sean said on the table here, I love it when he said, you know, the things we do, the shows we do, the things I, I shouldn't do, the things I watch on TV, the places I go, the friendships I have, the talks I have, things I shouldn't do, which makes you impure. You know when it is that. There's nobody who can say they were caught out. You make a decision. And this is how we walk as we walk. We purify ourselves as He is pure. We practice righteousness as He is righteous. What is righteousness? It's your lifestyle. Go back to your lifestyle. Look at the things you're allowing into your lifestyle. Let's look at the friends you. Maybe sometimes you're allowing a friend into your lifestyle which is bringing impurity. You need to talk to him or he needs to go. And look, this church is not going to choose your friends for you. I'm just preaching the word here. Forgive as he has forgiven. This is a big one, isn't it? I mean, we want to be as He is. Look at this. As He is, so are we. Now, He is in the light. He is pure. He is righteous. And He has forgiven everybody. Are you like that? See how we measure ourselves up against Him. Have you forgiven every single person who's done stuff against you? But preacher, you don't know my circumstances. You don't know what they've done to me. 
And then you go on and you tell me all of it and I agree with you. That is absolutely terrible. But here is the thing. They've done worse to him. And he was 100% innocent. Maybe people did something to you because you said something that started this whole affair. Or maybe you've done something which upset people in your family or your friends. I don't know. But it's maybe your fault. But here is Jesus. It wasn't even his fault. And they hanged him on a cross. And you know what he said? He looked upon them and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Forgiveness. If you want to walk in the light as he walked and if you want to be as he is, you need to forgive as he has forgiven. And then, oh, the wife is going to love this one. <clears throat> Especially on Mother's Day. I picked this for Mother's Day. We need to love our wives, husbands, as Christ loved the church. As he loved the church. All the wives, come on, say amen. amen. Yes. Yes, preach it. <laughs> Brothers, but the Bible also says, wife, submit to your husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to shout out, preach it? <laughs> but here it is. So, so if you want to walk as he walked, as, if you want to be as he is, here is just a few and you can go through the Bible and look for yourself. You see, the key to this living, and I'm finishing with this, promise you I'm finishing. He who says that he abides in him is where we start. Because he says it in the script in that verse, he who abides in him. And this is how we do that. And you've seen this before when I preach it on that home service. The key to bearing fruit is abiding. This is John chapter 15. You say to me, how, how? He who says, uh, um, how, how is this living going to be possible to us? This is the forgone. Read John chapter 15 and you will find this. The key to bearing fruit is abiding. The key to abiding is obeying. The key to obeying is loving. You only obey when you laugh, you see? And the key to loving is knowing. The Bible is so deep and so wonderful. Now to help us, there's two scripture verses this morning. John 8 verse 28, 29, he says, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Whatever you do in life, going away from here after the service, whatever you do, ask yourself the question, is this in the light? Am I going to be ashamed of it? And thirdly, you need to ask yourself, is this pleasing to God? 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1. Finally then, brethren, finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ that you should abound more and more, just as you received him as now. You ought to walk and to please God. Amen. Amen. Have we learned something today? I hope so. You've, you've, you went through my croaky voice today, so it helped. Praise the Lord.